It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is May 13th, 2019. My name is Philip Ross and I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Coming to you a little bit later today on this Monday, so we'll get into a few short, quick issues here on the podcast. Continue our player evaluation series. We'll talk about Terrence Ross today. So I'll probably podcast today, take tomorrow off maybe. We'll, we'll see about that uh, and then be back with you Wednesday. We'll talk a little bit more Wednesday too uh, about the NBA draft combine the uh, for sure uh, and the NBA draft lottery results, of course, as well. But before we go any further and before I provide my thoughts on the Eastern Conference Finals, I want to talk to you all about the great podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network. I cannot do... Yesterday's Game 7's justice. I don't follow those teams as closely as I do the Magic. And so if you want the expert analysis of the conference finals, of yesterday's Game 7's, the only place to go is the Locked On Podcast. I work by searching for Locked On Raptors, or Locked On Blazers, or Locked On Warriors, or Locked On Bucks. There's just four teams left in the NBA right now. For all your Eastern Conference and Western Conference finals coverage, I cannot strongly, I cannot more strongly suggest checking out the Lockdown Podcast Network. Just like I cover the Orlando Magic with excruciating detail, there is a podcast covering all these teams, every team in the NBA, but especially the conference finalist teams with the same level of detail and care that we do here on Lockdown Magic. You can check them all out on iTunes just by searching for Lockdown and the team you're looking for. You can also find Lockdown NBA for a national perspective as well as a locked-on fantasy basketball for those who are still playing fantasy basketball this late into the season. You can find it all, of course, on the Locked On Podcast. I work to search on iTunes for Locked On, the team you're looking for, or head to the Himalaya app and download the Himalaya, Himalaya app to get podcasts delivered directly to your device, as well as create playlists and get suggestions, too. It's a great place to discover new podcasts, including those on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Locked On Podcast Network, it's your team. Every day. I would be remiss if I didn't start this week by discussing the, uh, the the crazy good games that we got Sunday afternoon uh, as Game 7 uh, officially closed the Eastern uh, the, the Conference semifinals and got us to our Final Four in the NBA. Um, the Blazers-Nuggets series, you know, pretty much from start to finish except for but Game 5 and Game 6, um, were was one of the most competitive series, uh, seven-game series that we've ever seen. Uh, and with Portland falling down by 17 and C.J. McCollum really putting Portland on his back um, with Evan Turner stepping up, uh, Mo Harkless, I thought, made some nice plays as well. Um, you know, former Magic guy there. Uh, Ennis Cantor was fantastic throughout the series. Uh, you know, even though he struggles a little bit defensively against Nikola Jokic, he kept him off balance offensively, um, which is even more impressive considering he's, he's observing Ramadan right now and couldn't eat or drink during that entire game on Sunday. It's it's incredible that he even finished it, to be perfectly honest. And 
you know, I, I honestly, you know, I, I, I commend people who have that kind of faith to, to do that. I, I certainly do not. Um, but it, it was an incredible game. CJ McCollum hitting some big shots down the stretch to give Portland the win, advance them to the conference finals and set up a, there should be a gargantuan clash with the Golden State Warriors. Um, you know, I, I think Golden State's still in really good shape. They're still a really good team, obviously. Uh, Portland's a really good team, too. Obviously, you don't get this deep without being a really good team. Uh, but it, it, I think Portland's going to give Golden State some problems, but I do think the Warriors ultimately win that series and probably a, probably a hard five, soft six. Uh, I, I do think Golden State wins that series. But the game that everyone's talking about was the finish to the Toronto-Philadelphia game on Sunday. Um, that game was a barn burner, an ugly defensive game, you know, kind of Eastern Conference basketball, but it was a slugfest at the end. Kawhi Leonard putting Toronto on his back and really carrying them all the way to the finish. I mean, we know what Kawhi Leonard can do. We saw him do it for five games against Orlando, and there, there was a point where defense did not matter to him. Where he was going to get his shot and, and, and make it, and it was well before the, the shot at the end. Um, that that happened. I think he had 41 in the game and just quietly just kind of kept the momentum going and Toronto's defense was extremely good, but you give Philadelphia all the credit in the world. Uh, Joel Embiid fought really hard. Jimmy Butler was going to will his team to victory and when he tied the game after Kawhi Leonard's missed free throw late, you know, it felt pretty certain that the award was going to happen, that they were going to head to overtime and, and this series was going to get a really, really crazy send-off and that still happened. Because uh, you knew Kawhi Leonard was going to get the shot. You knew he was going to be the one taking that last shot. And just, A, you know, I thought Embiid's defense was really good. I wish Simmons would have trapped a little harder if you're Philadelphia. I think think his defense, I mean, I think this series exposed some of his defensive instincts and some of the things that he's going to have to work on. He's going to have to be a little more attentive on the defensive end. And, you know, I think a lot of the series for Philadelphia, and you can listen to Lockdown Sixers for their breakdown of what happened. Um, I think a lot of it for Philadelphia was about, uh, you know, just the, the young team just not really understanding what it takes to, to get to this next level. Toronto is a super good team, and, and I don't think Philadelphia should have any shame losing to them in seven, especially the way they ended up losing to them. But yes, I think the young players kind of showed some of their flaws and what they'll have to work on and improve upon if they're going to take their game to the next level, if they're going to take that next step to get to the conference finals. And one of that is, I, I agree with the panel on, on TNT. I don't always agree with them, but the inside the NBA guys, I think, are, 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 are right that Joel Embiid has to be willing to get in the paint and post up, especially late in games. I think, you know, we, we see this problem with Nikola Vucevic a lot. When you have jump shooting big men, they, t- they, they can tend to favor and rely on their jumper uh, instead of getting in the paint, instead of rolling to the rim, instead of, you know, getting in front of the rim on a, on a, on a, on a roll and ceiling, uh, and, and I think he could get easy baskets and post-ups that way, and so I, I would like to, and I, I think Embiid's going to do this. I think Embiid's going to grow a lot from this. I, I, I know I'm a big proponent of this with the Magic, where I said, you know, Aaron Gordon's a good defender. He doesn't know how much better of a defender he needs to be. He learned that in this first-round series against, against Kawhi Leonard. I thought his defense against Kawhi was fine. It wasn't good enough, <laughs> Uh, and so I think I think you know you'll see that from Aaron, you'll see that from Jonathan. Honestly, I think you'll see that from Vooch and Evan too. Um, they're young enough that they can still make big strides in their game as well. Um, I, I think the the experience is going to help. So I never bought that Philadelphia needed to blow things up. I I just I don't buy that Brett Brown needs to be fired. I don't buy that um, that 
that Philadelphia somehow is 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 fatally flawed. They're they're so young still. They got a lot of questions. They got to you know add some things. Depth is a big part of it. But I'm not sold that Philadelphia is going away anytime soon, or that that the team somehow needs to shake things up dramatically. Um, I think this is a natural step in their progression, and they will continue to get better. That's 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 my belief uh, on where this team's at. And you know, losing again in this series in the way that they did is no is not a bad thing, or it is a bad thing, but it's not a fatal thing. Um, of course, the game ended with Kawhi Leonard draining a crazy fading away jump shot from the corner over Joel Embiid, the ball hitting the rim four times. I think TNT's score bug actually said end of regulation at at one point. Like they thought the shot was not going to go in, but it hits the rim four times and bounces in, becoming the first time in NBA history that a game seven is decided on a buzzer beater. In fact, I saw the stat go across. It was only the second time in NBA history that a series in a in a you know a a sudden death game was decided on a buzzer beater. The other one being Michael Jordan's shot against the Cleveland Cavaliers, and I think it was the 1988 or 89. I think it was 88, 1988 uh, first round. Um, the the shot as as it's called. You you know the one over Craig Elo. Um, to be in that company, I mean, it's sort of random, but. But that, that is just an incredible thing, and, and, and it was an incredible ending. It was a great treat to NBA fans. Apparently, it was better than Game of Thrones. Um, I don't know why you'd watch Game of Thrones over basketball anyway, but that's, that's me. Um, but it, it was an incredible ending to the game, an incredible ending to what was really a hard-fought series. You could see the emotion on the floor uh, from the Sixers players, especially Joel Embiid, and like I said, I, I think he's going to come back stronger and better than ever, and I think the Sixers will will be fine in the long run. We'll see what they do with, with Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris. They've got some money to spend. They could go out there and grab a guy, even if, if that's what they want to do as well. Um, so I, I think that this was a really impressive showing overall from Philadelphia, um, a really impressive showing from Toronto. I think Toronto showed some flaws. I mean, they looked pretty untouchable against the Magic. There are moments even in this game where they look like that team against Orlando that just suffocated teams defensively. That could switch everything. And and credit to Nick Nurse, he stuck with Serge Ibaka, who had a really strong game. Um, you know, rode Kawhi Leonard as far as he could. Um, but they're going to have their hands full with Milwaukee. I know I, I'm I'm among them. I'm cheering on the Raptors. Uh, you know, I, I I usually don't like cheering for the team that beats the Magic, but that's a really good team, and I, and I think it, it makes the Magic look better the further they advance. Um, but. Um, I, I've always liked how Toronto's built. Um, I, I do see them as a model for what the Magic want to do, both in, in how in the patience that they displayed throughout this this run that they've had, as well as the kind of team that they're building. It, it's very similar. Obviously, Jeff Weltman helped build the Toronto Raptors. Um, that, you know, not Kawhi Leonard, obviously, but helped build the Raptors team. I, I think that the Magic kind of want to mimic a lot of those 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 principles. That Masai Ujiri has has implemented in, into the whole organization, and so um, you know I I definitely want to see them succeed because it's it sort of a roadmap for what the Magic need to do as well. But this game, and I guess you could say the same about the Milwaukee Bucks since John Hammond built the Bucks. It, it should be noted. It definitely should be noted that the Magic's two front office heads had their hands in building both teams in the Eastern Conference Finals. I, I want to just uh, before I talk a little bit more about the series, let's pause and say that. John Hammond was the general manager that helped build the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, the only moves that he really didn't make for the Bucks was uh, hiring Mike Budenholzer, uh, 
um, acquiring Eric Bledsoe, uh, and acquiring Brooke Lopez. Uh, every other player, pretty much every other meaningful player on that team, uh, Pat Connaughton uh, would be would be a, an exception, I guess. Um, but uh, it pretty much every single player on that Bucks team, John Hammond, helped bring to Milwaukee. Same deal with Toronto. Outside of Kawhi Leonard, um, Jeff Weltman had a hand in putting together that ent- almost that entire Raptors team. Um, obviously, it wasn't the guy making the, the calls like Hammond was in Milwaukee, but um, you know, I think that bodes well that these guys know how to build at least the foundations for a winning team um, in small markets without like high draft picks. Um, you know, because Giannis was obviously a low pick, and and I, you know, I I got getting hot water with this all the time, but you know, the Raptors and Bucks are both. Um, incredible lessons in how to build teams without just outright tanking. I, mean, I know Milwaukee had one year where they ended up with the second pick in the draft. They drafted Jabari Parker, and he's not part of that team anymore. Um, so I, I think that that they are both models for how to build a successful team in the NBA, and obviously you need elite players. No one's getting around that. You need to find an elite player to be, to win uh, major basketball games in this league, and Milwaukee drafted one in Giannis late in the, in the first round or in the middle of the first round. Toronto uh, turned an asset that they had in DeMar DeRozan, a, a ninth, tenth pick in the draft. Um, you know, ultimately, but turned guy turned into an all-star for Kawhi Leonard, one of the very best players in the league. Um, and then they were able to to swing other assets to get Marcus Sol as well. And they, you know, had Kyle Lowry kind of waiting in the wings. They they were patient with him as well. Um, so I, I I'm really I'm really excited to see this series. I think both teams are extremely good. It's going to be an extremely fun matchup. Kyle Lowry versus Eric Bledsoe is going to be fun to watch. Marcus Gasol versus Brooke Lopez. It'll be really interesting to see the push and pull of that. Uh, I'll be intrigued to see if Toronto, uh, who Toronto matches uh, up with Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if you see some Pascal Siakam on him over Kawhi Leonard and then move Leonard to him late in games. Um, Chris Middleton's probably going to get Danny Green on him, although uh, Siakam could certainly... Up, defend him as well, and it's going to be really interesting to watch these matchups. I really think, just thinking initially about this series, kind of like the Orlando series, the key is going to be Pascal Siakam. If Siakam has a big series, and he's nursing a little bit of an injury, and he didn't have a great series against Philadelphia, if Siakam has a great series, Toronto can very much win this series, and I think I think they're they're winning this series is dependent on Siakam stepping up. Um, Toronto is not going to be able to win games if Kawhi Leonard has to average 40 and shoot the way that he did in Game 7. That's the bottom line. Toronto is not going to win this series if that happens. Um, but uh, but they certainly have some weapons that they can they can use. And it's, I think this is going to be a drag-out fight. I think this is going to be a seven-game series. It's, it's certainly a six-game series at the very least. Toronto is too good to, to get kind of dominated the way that Boston got dominated. Uh, by Milwaukee. And Milwaukee's very, very good too. It feels like I'm focusing on Toronto. I've probably watched more Toronto than Milwaukee. Um, but Milwaukee's very, very good too. Very potent offense. Very strong defense. It, it, this this game, this series is going to be a fight. And it's going to be a lot of fun watching these two teams go at it. Game one for the Western Conference is Tuesday at 9 after the NBA Draft Lottery at 8.30. Game one of the Eastern Conference is Wednesday at 9. We'll be watching it all. Very excited to see uh, the Eastern Conference and Western Conference Finals get started. We are in the NBA's Final Four. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up-to-date. 
Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. But back to the Orlando Magic. We're continuing our player evaluation series. You can see all these player evaluations up on orlandomagicdaily.com. Just go in-depth into how each player played throughout the season, how how everyone performed, uh, what our expectations were, whether they met them or not. A lot of players did this year, obviously, because it, it was a fairly successful season. Uh, but um, it was a... Uh, it, it, there was one player in particular that, that I think surprised a lot of people and, and was a welcome surprise, of course, uh, and, and, and really became sort of the catalyst for, for everything the Magic did. There is no doubt that, that Terrence Ross won the Magic at least four or five games. Maybe not solely from his scoring or from his production, but from the energy he brought to the game. From his ability to kind of turn a game that looked lost into a game that the Magic could compete in. And, and you could see when he got going, the kind of confidence the rest of the team suddenly had. The Magic have not had very many players like Terrence Ross. A guy who can get a, get a shot up under almost any circumstance and, and make them. Terrence Ross is a tough shot maker. That, that, that is kind of his role. Um, when, he would, when the Magic would run him off screens and get him going offensively, he would be coming off of the slightest bit of space, shooting over a defender that was maybe a hair late and able to get a shot off without much disruption and on time and make his shots. It was a career year for Terrence Ross, obviously averaging a career-high 15 points per game, and he shot the ball pretty well. 30, I think it was 38% from beyond the arc for the year. Yeah, that doesn't sound right. Yeah, 38.3% from beyond the arc, 42.8% overall. A lot of his shots were three-pointers. He had a 53.4 effective field goal percentage. Undoubtedly a career year for Ross, and of course it came at the right time as he's set to become an unrestricted free agent. But for the Magic, Ross proved to be important, not because of his 15 points per game, but just because of that energy he brought. I think back to several games. Game at Indiana in, in, I think it was January, where Orlando was down in the fourth quarter, and Ross started hitting threes. And all of a sudden, a 10-point deficit became a win. He did it again in Indiana. He did it again against Indiana at home at the Amway Center on January 31st, the game that, that began the turnaround for the season. He did it in Mexico City against the Utah Jazz. He did it against the Brooklyn Nets at home when the Magic needed that win. He did it over and over. He did it against the Memphis Grizzlies, perhaps his best game of the season. With the Magic down by 17, Ross started hitting threes, and all of a sudden, the buzz in the Amway Center became very, very real. The, the energy changed completely. And the team started to believe it could win again. And obviously, they did win again. Picking up that, picking up that victory against the Memphis Grizzlies. That's the kind of energy Ross brought to the game. And obviously, that endeared him to fans. And, you know, I think uh, you, go on the subreddit, you go on the subreddit, you go on the message boards... And you will find people, inevitably, who will say, give Terrence Ross a lifetime contract. He's a guy that Orlando fell in love with. 
I mean, it helps that he won the team a lot of games, but he was a cool dude. Um, and, 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 you know, people love guys that can, that can have that spurt. And to be sure, you know, I've been racking my brain on this. I don't think the Magic have had a guy who could catch fire the way that Terrence Ross did and just change the complexion of a game based on his own shot making since Tracy McGrady. Vince Carter certainly didn't do that in Orlando. Shard Lewis maybe had a few moments, but it was always set up by something else. Terrence Ross was really this huge spark plug, and he won't win sixth man of the year. That's going to go to Lou Williams, but he certainly should be a finalist. And he certainly, uh, you know, fit that role perfectly for Orlando. They needed some energy. They needed some scoring off the bench, and Terrence Ross provided it. The question now moving forward, though, with Ross is, can he do this again? Because his issue his entire career has been consistency, and this was the first year that he was really consistent. Yes, there were a few games where he shot the Magic out of them, where you know other players didn't have it going, the Magic needed Ross to provide the spark, and it wasn't there. So he's not a panacea by any sense of the word. But at the same time, at the same time, Ross was clearly very valuable to the Magic. Like I said, easily four or five games the Magic do not win without Terrence Ross. Probably getting blown out without Terrence Ross, without just him shifting the energy in the building. And that's really what the Magic are going to have to wonder about. What are we paying for? Ross has to prove that he can do it again. That he's going to get paid first. And some team is going to go out there and pay him. Is some team going to believe that he can be a starter? I think that would be a mistake. Is some team going to pay him, you know, starter-type money to come off the bench and be their Lou Williams, seeing what he did this year? How much is he really worth to the Magic? Now, I don't think what Ross does can be easily replaced. I don't think the Magic really have anyone on the roster who can do what Ross did this year. Evan Fournier's had some games like Ross did, but, but not really. Ross, like I said is a tough shot maker. And Orlando really doesn't have those kind of irrational confidence guys. It's honestly maybe one of the problems in the playoffs. I mean, Ross's really big game in Game 3 of the playoff series, um, he got going in the fourth quarter and turned a 12-point deficit and a sure loss into a tight game. He was a big part of the reason Orlando nearly stole Game 3. But how much is that worth? He got paid $10.5 million this year. He's certainly worth a little bit more than that. If the Magic can bring him back on maybe three years, 36, that would certainly feel doable. If he gets 15, if he goes three for 45 or four for 60, is that pushing things a little too hard for the Magic? Orlando still wants to maintain some cap flexibility. They, 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 they don't have much cap room to work with, and rolling back the same team does sound have some appeal. But certainly the Magic still need to get better. And I think a lot of that will still come internally. We'll talk about the summer here coming up in a few weeks. So to be sure, Terrence Ross's return to the Orlando Magic is not certain. And replacing him in what he does for the team is, is going to be vital. There's no doubt about that. It, it's going to be absolutely key and critical that Orlando find a way to replace his production off the bench because Ross was so central to the team's success this year. 
And so the answer to that question might be, he's the guy they should resign over anyone else, over anything else. Perhaps they can replace Vooch and everything he did in the offense. Perhaps from internal improvement from Aaron Gordon and Jonathan Isaac and Evan Fournier getting back to his mean or Mo Bamba, you know, taking a huge leap or signing a, a stopgap. And perhaps Ross is the guy they can't replace. He certainly should be cheaper than Vucevic is this, this offseason. And if that's the case and you re-sign Ross to a big deal to essentially be your super sixth man, is, is that a role that he will always be satisfied with? Certainly, if he can repeat what he did this season, he will be appreciated, not only by the Magic, but by Magic fans. And he will certainly close plenty of games, just like Lou Williams does, just like uh, so many six men do, like Manu Ginobili did. He could certainly swing the rotation to make it work. Regardless of any of that, Ross had a fantastic season. He raised all these questions that we now have about his future and, and, and what his value is worth in, in a good way. He clearly has value. He clearly proved that he is healthy, that he put the injury behind him, and that he can be the kind of spark plug, spark plug player everyone always imagined he could be when they drafted him out of Washington. So now, obviously, the question is, put your money where your mouth is. And that will be the big thing for the Magic to figure out and decipher as they move through the offseason and the early offseason with free agency. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Of course, find us on Twitter at Locked on Magic. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places you know the podcast to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can find me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. And of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. We'll be back again next time with a quick with another player evaluation and a quick look at the NBA Draft Combine as NBA Draft Prep officially begins. It's already begun, but officially begins with teams able to talk to players. So we'll discuss who the Magic should be looking at or who you should be looking at through the NBA Draft Combine process and begin parsing through some of the prospects that the Magic could be looking at. I've, I'm, I'm doing it you know, very much for the kind of first, second look this time too. I've seen a couple players um, that I've, I'm going to be doing my, dra- my heavy draft prep as we get closer to June. And now the draft, you know, we're a month away from the NBA draft now, June 20th. Uh, so a month and a week, so five weeks away from the NBA draft. So it's going to get very, very busy here uh, in a second as we continue our season recap and then begin looking forward to the 2020 season. But until next time, this has been Philip Rossenreich of Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic. We'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic. You are Locked on Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members. 
You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.